0: extend an extra special welcome to a few guests, We well guests, I won't say guests, uh, I shouldn't say guests, um, but we have some f- friends back from all over the world here today and uh, so I'll point out a few of them that, uh, that uh, we might have missed if we didn't. And Dave and Denise Matson are with us this morning, all the way back from Taiwan. Now they've been here a little while. This isn't their first Sunday back, but I'm pointing them out. So, Dave and Denise, you want to just wave over there? They're just waving in the center section, or in the middle of that section. So they've been serving in Taiwan for many, many years. We have uh, about 50 years of partnership, at least with Denise and Dave got in on the action a few years after that. And uh, so we're just really excited about the partnership and the gospel that we've had with them for many, many years. Uh, also, uh, Lisa Hogg is back with us from Iraq. So Lisa, where are you? I'm, I, I'm not sure where you are. Just wave at me here, wave. Oh, there she is, there she is in the back section. Okay. Maybe we should bring up the house lights a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, so good to have you back from Iraq, and uh, I think she's going to be with us for a few weeks yet, and so we're really excited that she's going to be with us into June, and uh, and we're pumped that she's back. And then also Bill and Jen Crowder are back with us. Now I need to find them as well. Where are you guys? Wave at Oh, there they are in the middle, right there, hiding in the middle. And, uh, and they're back from Thailand, and so they were in Thailand for, I think, four years. Is that correct? Yeah, four years, and uh, they're back in just... This is their first Sunday, I think, back at Hillcrest, and we're really excited that they're back. So maybe if I, if a miracle happens and the preacher is short today, maybe you'll get extra time to chat with him today. And if the miracle doesn't happen in that regard, hopefully other miracles happen in your life. <laughs> All right. Um, the, the, uh, let, also, I need to maybe just quickly say a word about last week, right? So um, if you came to church last week, you might have noticed something peculiar that you maybe have never experienced at, at Hillcrest before, and that was that, None of the staff were here last week. We all played hooky. And uh, why did we play hooky? And where did we play hooky? Well, let me just tell you a little bit about that. So, in the winter, when before um, I came on as the lead pastor here at Hillcrest, uh, the the church leadership gave me uh, a blessing to go away and to uh, go experience other church environments, go check out other churches, and I really had many. Things like I wanted to glean little tidbits here and there and everything, but I actually was particularly looking for one church. I was looking for a, a church that was ahead of Hillcrest a little bit and or maybe a lot, a lot that could be sort of like a mentoring church, a place I could go and take a lot of notes from and, and and a place where I felt that they were going in the direction that we would also like to go. It's just that they'd be a few steps ahead of us and then I could learn. Uh, for me, that was really important. Being a young lead pastor means that uh, coaching is really important in my life. It's really important for me to learn from those who are wiser and, and uh, farther ahead in the game. So, having said all that, I, I visited 12 different churches when I was on that sabbatical period and uh, was surprised to find that it wasn't some of the American mega churches I went to, but it actually was, uh, well, it was sort of a mega church, but uh, it was actually in a little forsaken, not forsaken, but little corner of freezing cold Manitoba in January that I actually found the church that I thought best fit the model of what we were looking for. And uh, so that led to some phone calls from sabbatical back to the church here. I think I got Laura on the phone and I said, uh, just everybody's got to block off that weekend. We're, We're gonna take everybody back here in May. Uh, all of our all of our staff have to, have to come back here in May because of what God's doing here, and I think that it's it's the kind of church that Hillcrest could partner with really well. So anyhow, that's what we did last weekend. We took all the staff out to Steinbach, which is not where I expected to take them when I first started this search. Uh, we took them out to Steinbach, Manitoba, and there's um, a church there that's uh, experienced a real sort of revival of what uh, in in their midst, and God has done something really supernatural there, and. Um, so we went there and we spent, we did many things on the weekend, and I won't tell you the whole story because that would just be all of what I'd say this morning. But we, we, we spent uh, the weekend doing what have become sort of second nature to people in this church things that are basics for Christians, really. Things like confessing our sins to each other. The Bible talks about that. And doesn't really get practiced a lot actually even in the church today where people just actually say this is my sin and they take another Christian and really just confess that to each other, repent of that sin, turn from that sin, have that person pray for them for them to be delivered from the power of that sin in their lives and w- we did that we did that and then we spent time just listening to God and 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 they that's a really big focus of that church too just listening for God's direction in your life so that God, because we say things about God we say he's our Lord but how is that practically working out? How is that actually happening in a way that's functionally true for your life? And uh, so, so how would you know that you're obeying God? Well, one way you can read the scriptures and obey what's in there, but then God will lead you specifically and, and wants to lead people, just like a good shepherd leads sheep, um, into things that are specific for specific situations that maybe the Bible isn't talking about directly, there's great, you get the principles, you get the teaching from the Bible and you're obeying those things, but then God will also, uh, he'll speak to people and uh, he does today. And uh, so this church was really, uh, I think, ahead of us in some of those regards. The exciting thing was, is I just thought, Hillcrest is at such a good place that when, I go to, when you go to a church that's experiencing something that's so over the top, supernatural, um, it's not discouraging, You know how if you were in a really sick situation and you went and saw a healthy situation, it just might make you feel more bummed out about your sick situation? I don't have that at all. I just felt super hopeful and just, I just thought, oh man, I am in such a great church. Hillcrest is such an amazing church that some of these things that I'm seeing here, that this this is attainable. This is stuff that God could do in our midst as well. So I just really pumped, you know, probably for me, one of the greatest signs Uh, or not one of the greatest things, but one of the signs that tells me that this is a healthy church is we can take all the staff away for a weekend and you still have an amazing service. (laughs) You know, amazing Sunday morning. I heard really great things about uh, Linda's ministry and and Kevin Dotremont in charge of the service and Sharon and the team and their worship. And so I'm really probably the most blessed pastor that I know because I'm leading a really great healthy church and we have the potential to grow in the ways that I think God wants to lead us into. It's just like, don't feel that sense of roadblocks or anything in the way. I just feel like, wow, we are just in a great season and a great time. So I won't tell you too much more about that, but um, oh, maybe one more thing. So this church, they had a vision. I mean, okay, it's a big church. It's it's 4,000 people, okay? And Steinbeck is 15,000 people. So you sort of get the idea that something this is not normal. Uh, Steinbach has forty churches, but it has one that's four thousand people in a town of fifteen thousand people. So that do the math—that's sort of crazy. Um, anyhow, this church, after God did all this great work and got and people were just getting right with God and getting you know following God and being obedient to God and just all the basic stuff that Christianity is all about and just all this great stuff was happening. Then they really got this vision that they needed to not just They needed to really help other churches. And so one of the things that they did was they prayed about that and decided that their senior pastor, their lead pastor, needed to go teach other churches some of the stuff that they learned along the way. So here I am on my sabbatical. God, is there a church out there that could lead us and help us and mentor us and coach me? And meanwhile, there's a senior pastor going, man, uh, Lord, is there any young guys out there who need coaching, who just maybe just could Want to take their church to another level and don't know how to do it and Lord, lead me to that kind of person so you know, i'm pretty pumped every every two weeks I get on a Skype call with this senior pastor of this church of four thousand, and uh, I just take furious notes about because I want to lead well because I think it matters if we go the right direction, and I think it really matters that God is the functional lord of this church and so um, so trying to learn as fast as things are coming at me, but really excited about it. So actually when I was at, we were at the, the, the Steinbach Church, they have a map on the wall of Canada because again, they have a vision for, vision. their vision is for a thousand renewed churches in Canada and that they'd have a hand in seeing that happen. And as I was walking by this map, I stopped and saw a little dot in the middle of Saskatchewan on Moose Jaw and it just hit me. These 4,000 crazy Mennonites are already praying for us. <laughs> They're already praying for us. So, you know, if, if nothing comes out of this, 4,000 crazy Mennonites are praying for us, and I think that that's a pretty decent good thing. So um, I'm pretty excited about what God's doing, and, um, but I, I'm mostly excited because I really think God's been working year upon year, decade upon decade in this church to build a healthy foundation on which to build. And uh, so many of you have played such a significant part in that. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness to God. Thank you for the way that you've just listened to yourself and obeyed God through the years. And uh, I think we've got great things ahead of us, uh, but that foundation was led by many of you who've served faithfully for many more years than I've been around. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who participate in just following Jesus, and we're doing it together. Today is the launch of a brand new series, and uh, I better get into it or we'll never get it launched. Um, we're, we're calling this series High Five. High Five. Partly because High Five is just, it's cool to high five. Everybody loves High Five, and don't you? Well, I hope you do. Anyhow, High Five is really great, but there we go. That's, that's what it looks like when um, white people I have High Five. <laughs> Anyhow. I like this guy because he's got a great perm. Anyhow. Um, we're calling it High Five for a couple reasons, just because it's fun. High Five is fun. And, uh, but the other thing is, what we wanted to do with this series is, is, in this new sort of information age, there's new things that we're learning about people who follow Jesus. And one of the things that just has come out in the last couple of years is... Um, People are, because they're using their Bible apps on their phones, and especially the millennial generation is using their Bible apps on their phones, is that we're able to collect all this data about what parts of the Bible people really are gravitate towards. What kind of things they really, uh, so you could have, in old days, you could have did a phone survey. What's your favorite verse in the Bible? And then people, they could have recorded that. But now, it's a lot more scientific because most people, the most popular app, Bible app for phones is version. How many have U version on your phone, okay, or or your iPad or whatever? Okay, so U version is the most popular one, and it's the one that most people or more people are using all the time. And uh, and what they've done is they compiled all the data of what did what verses do people highlight? What verses do people share with others? And and with search engines like Bible Gateway and some of those ones, what what verses do people search for? So the idea behind the series was that we would take the top five verses that, people, that are people's favorites, and that's what we would teach on over five weeks. we teach on the top five verses. Then it got complicated, because I just assumed that the five verses that people highlight and that they share and that they search for would be about the same, but they're not at all. So when people highlight a scripture verse, they're like, this is my favorite verse, They're usually like promises from God. They're usually like really motivating and encouraging things just sort of for me. But when people share a verse, they don't share those same verses. They actually share verses that are a little more instructional. Like, you need to hear this. (laughs) I can just send that to my friend. Very interesting. And then when they search for verses, it's a whole new group. Because often those are people who are like, they 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 either see a reference like maybe they're at a big football game and they see John 3:16 in the in the stands and they're like, I wonder what that actually is, right? So they search for that. Or there's other things where they're like, uh, I I wonder how this reads, or they they go searching for. So it's actually three different lists. So that threw up my plan altogether. So actually I, I I amended the plan. I looked at all three lists: the things people highlight, the things people share, and the things people search for, and I said. Which are the five verses that people misuse the most out of these popular ones? And I tried to compile a list. So there's a little bit of my own interpretation and subjectivity. It was a wonderfully scientific study until I got my hands on it, and now it's a little bit more subjective. But I want to I start with one of the, one of the uh, this is one of the most popularly searched verses. Uh, in fact, it's number three on the, the top five search list, the one I'm going to share this morning. But instead of just telling you what the verse is, I'm going to let you try to, t- try to find it in a video I'm going to show you. And let me tell you about the video, okay? Um, this video, it just came out this last week, just came out this week. It's a promotional piece for the NBA Finals. Okay? Yeah. So anybody like NBA? Watch basketball at all? I didn't think I'd get very many hands. Yes? I didn't think so. Everybody? How many like hockey as opposed to that? Yes? A little bit more. Football? Anyone? Football? Okay. Football and hockey are pretty even. I knew... Canadians, we don't watch a lot of basketball. We're not... You know, that's not as, as big a deal for us. But I, I got sort of uh, into it as I got... As, I didn't like it when I was a kid because they scored too many points too fast. But then I started to watch a little bit more and started to appreciate the game a little bit more. And so I do pay attention to it. I go to ESPN and watch the highlight videos. I don't really sit down and watch a game, but I, I, I do watch highlights because I like to see the athleticism, the high-flying dunks and all those things. On the way, I discovered um, a certain NBA player who sort of defied the odds, and his name is Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, when you see him play basketball, you think, who let that baby-faced kid play with the adults? Because he's not real big. In fact, he was undersized his whole life. He still is quite a bit smaller than some of the physical specimens you see. In fact, in this series, Stephen Curry is playing for the Golden State Warriors, and on the other side, you have LeBron James. How many have heard of LeBron James? You've actually heard the name? Okay, some of you have. LeBron James is like the guy they think who might be the greatest basketball player of all time, depending on whether he can pass Michael Jordan in, you know, rings and stuff like that. He is a physical monster. The guy is just muscled out, and he's athletic, and he can leap and jump, and there's nothing he can't do. He can shoot and block, and he's just... He's by far the most unstoppable force in basketball. This year, though, people chose chose Stephen Curry as the MVP of the league. And he's a little guy, baby-faced sort of skinny and not that big and he's not really muscled out or powerful or anything like that but he can do one thing really really well shoot the basketball and so you're going to watch this you're going to see maybe a little bit of Steph Curry in this and I'll explain a little bit more but what I want you to do spot the scripture verse okay so let's see if we can pull up that video and then see if you can find the scripture verse We're right where we want to be. Just keep on attacking. Play through the pressure. I want you to know that it's our time. Get on the bandwagon Let now. Bleed the same we have got to just keep on attacking here. It's where we want to be, guys. Let's go out there and play. You and me are on the same course. I want you to know that it's our time. Bang, bang. <laughs> Come, hop here tonight. Decisive victory for the Cavaliers. Curry steps back. It's good. I call that getting Iggy with it. Harden tied up, knocked loose, picked up, and the game is over. Golden State hangs on. Finds Curry again. It's good. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry now an NBA record the most threes in a single postseason. We have grit, we have determination, we have everything it takes to win. The 2015 Eastern Conference champions, the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Golden State Warriors are in the NBA Finals for the first time in 40 years. We're gonna be us, we're gonna play our same game, defend like crazy, push the tempo. You know, why not us this year? Yeah. <laughs> All right, did you spot the scripture? Oh, too easy. you got to make it harder. So what was the scripture? Oh, okay, some reference, some of you smarty pants, Philippians 4.13. And the ref. I Can Do All Things, is written on Steph Curry's shoe, okay? He's a Christian kid. He grew up going to youth group. At 13, he made a decision for Christ. His parents, his dad was an NBA player. Del Curry played for the Toronto Raptors. And, and uh, his mom... Had Bible time with them every morning, every morning, every morning, devotions with these kids. Anyhow, he grew up to become an NBA superstar. And he's the skinny, baby faced kid who just can shoot the lights out. And so, this is a really interesting thing because you've got this unstoppable force in LeBron James on the one side, and you've got this, it's sort of David and Goliath ish, is what's happening. And I think, and like, When it comes to basketball, nobody lights up Twitter more than Stephen Curry, because what happens is people are like, did you just see that little guy just shoot the lights out? Like, people are like, you got to see this game. Like, you you can't believe what's happening. When LeBron James does stuff, it's just like, yeah, of course. But when he does stuff, Stephen Curry, little Stephen Curry, or he's like, did that just happen? Did he just break that record? Did he just, did he just do eight threes in a game? You know, did he just do all this stuff? So it's this David and Goliath thing happening, and and of course, on top of that, you have this amazing statement that he writes on his runners. I can do all things. Man, if there's anything that was like a Christian slogan that, you know, you almost want to put it on the side of the building, it's like, I can do all things, Hillcrest or Nike, <laughs> you know, I can do all things, it's just such a, it's got such an overcoming sort of vibe to it, it's just sort of like, you know, whatever obstacle comes my way, I can do all things, I can just overcome that, I can, I can just dominate, I can just I come into a situation, it doesn't look like we can win, but I'll win, and he becomes the poster boy for this because no one expected him even to make it into the NBA, he was just too small, but he practiced his shot a lot. And so suddenly, he's the MVP of the, the basketball, National Basketball Association. Well, when it comes to this statement, I can do all things, um, I, th- I think it's one that gets misunderstood a lot, actually. And, um, I mean, it is talking about overcoming, but I think overcoming looks different in different contexts. Like, what it looks like for Steph Curry, playing in the NBA Finals this week, whether he wins or loses, is one thing. But what does it look like in your context? What does I can do all things look like in your context? I mean, it depends on the challenge that we're facing, right? Depends on the thing that's right in front of us. And when Paul wrote this in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I think it's very interesting that we don't actually look back at the context of what he said. We just sort of pull out of the context, that one statement, I can do all things and write it on my running shoes, and now I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to go and do what I always wanted to do anyhow, but with a little bit of Jesus sugar sprinkled on top. And I don't think that's how it was originally used. In fact, I think you'll probably agree with that once we look at it a little bit, a little bit closer. It is an overcoming statement. It is a wonderful statement. And I think it's actually more powerful Than how it's commonly used. My goal today is not to diminish this statement for you, but to elevate the reality of it in your hearts and your minds. So let's, I want you to, we're gonna look at the scripture in a minute, but I want you to imagine how sometimes we do to the Bible what we would hate to be done to us. And that is, we take things out of context. Now, you've probably experienced that at some point in your life where you said something and then someone went away and repeated what you said, but they missed really crucial parts of it. Right? So you say, well, I sort of think this, and then you're just about to clarify and say, but it's because of such and such. But the person jumps in before you get to the second half of your sentence and they're just like, oh yeah, I totally agree with you. So that means we both believe this and we both think that and you're thinking no we do not agree but they're making a big assumption because they're just only listening a little bit to you not really listening and so the first thing I think that happens with this statement I can do all things is that a lot of people don't even listen to the rest of the sentence that's the first way I think this statement's getting misunderstood a lot of people they say it's almost like imagine Paul okay so the context is Paul's in prison the Philippians okay that's the book is, is, is the people from Philippi, the Christians, the believers in Philippi, have sent him one of their best guys, their most encouraging guys, a guy named Epaphroditus. So they sent Epaphroditus